0: Hello and welcome to the Heart's Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 71. My name is Ismail San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. We have a lot to talk about. First of all, I just want to say I miss you guys. It's been a while since my last episode. I miss you guys so much, but let's get to it. There's a lot to talk about. Djokovic versus Medvedev will play in the Paris Masters final rematch of the U.S. Open. That's going to be amazing. Taylor Fritz had an amazing year. He's got to give him a shout out for the great year that he had. Also, Manchester City beat manchester united in the manchester derby 2-0 only gunner i can't believe he still has a job we have to talk about that contest signs with tottenham he's a proven winner we'll see what he could do with tottenham and in the nfl the nfl had a rough week had a rough couple of weeks henry ruggs awful situation we'll touch on that obj release. he's finally free who will he sign does he still have something in the tank And Aaron Rodgers, just wow, just crazy stuff, crazy stuff that's going on with Aaron Rodgers. That interview he had with Pat McAfee was just wild. We'll touch on that. All of that on this episode of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Djokovic versus Medvedev will play in the finals of the Paris Masters. It's a rematch of the U.S. Open. Djokovic, who took a break after the U.S. Open, this is his first tournament since the US Open and he hasn't really shown any rust. He just took care of Hercats, the number ten player in the world. Um third set tie break to clinch his pot in the final. It was exciting and it was an exciting match. After dropping the first set, he blanketed Hercats, left them in a donut, took took the 6-0 lead, and you thought Djokovic was on fire. He's gonna win this third set easily. He turned it he turned it around. But to Hercat's credit, he played tough. He fo- he forced a tiebreak in the third set and he had his chances he had his chances to win that um his forehand let him a little bit down at the end when he couldn't get it over the net but in the end it's Djokovic versus Medvedev Mevedev looked supremely impressive he took care of Zverev six two, six two. he's won the last four matches against Zverev and Zverev was on an eight match winning streak uh, he won in Vienna and where else did he win? He won somewhere else. But he was on an eight-game winning streak. He won Vienna, and he was on like a three-game 3, three game match winning streak here in Paris. So, Sevrev was playing some of the best tennis in his career, some of the best play, best tennis since the U.S. Open swing. Sevrev had looked very dangerous. I thought it was going to be a very competitive match, especially because Sevrev, in my opinion, is one of the one of those guys I could challenge for slams um, once the big three, or now that the big three's on their way out. And he had been very dominant the last few months to end the year. So for Medvedev to just dismantle Zverev 6-2, 6-2, is is crazy to me. Just congratulations to Medvedev for the great match that he played. And now it sets up up a a rematch of the U.S. Open. And last time Djokovic played Medvedev, he had just played a five-set thriller against Zverev. So he was uh, one of the, you know, one of the things that were circling around onto why Djokovic lost to Medvedev in that final is because a lot of people were saying that the real final was Djokovic versus Verev in the semifinals. And that had taken a lot out of Djokovic. And if you guys remember, he had lost a lot of first sets. He had a lot. He had dropped a lot of first sets in the U.S. Open, which means Djokovic had been playing longer than Medvedev going into the final And Zverev pushed him all the way to the brink. Like, it was an exciting semifinal match. Zverev versus Djokovic, if you guys recall, they had that 50-plus shot rally. So that was one of the reasons that Djokovic, in a lot of people's eyes, lost to Medvedev in the final. He just didn't have his legs. Zverev took that much energy out of him in the semifinal, uh, coupled with all the first sets that he dropped in the U.S. Open, the first sets that he dropped leading up to the final. But now, you know, he's well-rested. He hasn't played since the U.S. Open. He took a much-needed break. Medvedev has continued to play. So, if anything, Medvedev is the one that has probably has a little bit more fatigue. But he just looks like he's playing amazing tennis. His defense is amazing. He gets to everything. That really frustrated Zverev today. It it didn't matter what Zverev was hitting. It just felt like Medvedev was always getting it back to Zverev. And that could be very frustrating. So, I think it's going to be a great, exciting match. It's got, I think... This this is this is exciting. I'm very, I'm he- I'm hella looking forward to this. Um, if I was to do a prediction, I would say that mevedev wins. I think the level that he's playing at right now is just ridiculous, and I think he's just gonna cement himself as that as that guy that's gonna take over after the big three's over. Obviously, I would not be surprised if Djokovic wins. He he with this victory over Hercats, he clinches that number one spot. End of the year number one spot um, for the ATP. So, good job for Djokovic, Medvedev. If Djokovic would have lost, Medvedev had a chance to take that number one spot. But now he doesn't. But I do think Medvedev is just playing at that elite of a level right now where he could beat Djokovic and take the the last two trophies away from Djokovic. Either way, it's going to be an exciting match. I can't wait for it. I would have liked to see a Zverev-Djokovic rematch, but it is what it is. Medvedev is just on another planet right now so shout out to Medvedev for raising his level it just keeps it 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 feels like Medvedev just keeps raising his level and Djokovic not playing for a while he does he's not showing rust but maybe he's not at that elite elite level that he was when he was winning the slams earlier this year so we'll see um I'm pretty sure Djokovic is the favorite I haven't looked at the line but I think Medvedev pulls up the pulls the win out tomorrow Taylor Fritz had a great year. He will finish 2021 as the number one American player. Quarterfinals at the Paris Masters, runner-up in St. Petersburg, semifinals at the Indian Wells. All those three results has pushed his ranking into the low 20s. I believe on Monday when the new results come out, when the new rankings come out, he should be in the low 20s. I believe in the 21 to 24 range. So great job by Taylor Fritz, raising his ranking, finishing the year on a high note. He has looked amazing. He's looked great. That forehand has looked crisp. The backhand is getting better. His defensive skills are getting better. His serves were on point to end the year. And he's not playing scared. He's really letting it fly. He's He's, he's hitting that forehand in tough situations, in, in set points, in break points. He's just letting it swing. So shout out to Taylor Fritz. Um, to finish, you know, quarterfinals at the Paris Master, and having a competitive match against Djokovic, semifinals at Indian Wells, is just incredible. I wish I could have seen him. He was at the San Diego Open, which I attended, and he lost the round right before me, so it would have been fun. He he lost the Chap of Olive. I think he lost the first set in a tiebreak, and then he lost the second set, six two or six three. So it would have been nice to see him. I did get to see him playing doubles, so it was great to see him play live. But to finish the year, he, he's looked good, man. 24 years old, it looks like he's peaking at the right time. His career is trending up. Uh, with these results, he passed Isner, he passed Opelka, he passed Tiafo. He is now the number one American. He got interviewed during his time at the Paris Masters, and he himself stated that uh, one of his goals was to be in the 20s and uh but he obviously knows that American tennis has a rich history of not just being not just having players in the top 100, not just playing, not just having players in the top 20 or the top 10. They have a rich history of having players as the number one tennis male tennis player. So that's one of his goals to put tennis, to put the U.S. tennis back on the map. And I think he's heading the right way. Uh, he's just peaking right now. He has he's playing some great tennis. I think he could carry this momentum into 2022. We'll see how he does at the Australian Open. But Taylor Fritz looks like he has the potential to be a top 10 player. And potentially even top five, who's to say number one? If, if he keeps pro- progressing the way he's progressing, I think he does have the most potential out of any of the U.S. players to get to the top five, to get a top five ranking, top 10 ranking. Opelka, serve bot, you know, he's kind of limited with this movement. We'll see how he keeps improving his game. Tiafo, one of my favorite players. I think he has uh, a, a well-rounded game too. Sometimes his mental game's not there, but he kind of had an uptick in results or in match in matches at the end of the year too. So I'm I'm hoping Tiafoe follows Taylor Fritz leads and both of them lead U.S. tennis into a new age in 2022. But Taylor Fritz, just impressive victories to end the year over Berrettini, over Sinner, Rublev, Cameron Norrie, and Zverev. To beat Zverev at the end of the year, the way he closed out the year, that's a super impressive win. Berrettini, uh, so two, four guys, three three guys that are going to the ATP finals and Berrettini, Zverev, and Rublev, two guys that were in contention, like uh, Sinner and Nori. So to beat all those guys and they were all playing for something, they were all trying to get the ranking up to get into the ATP finals to beat them at that time. Just super impressive by Taylor Fritz if he just continues to work on his defense, his backhand, and that forehand that's always been a weapon for him just stays crisp, stays consistent. I think Taylor Fritz has a chance to push for top 10 in 2022. I'm just very excited to see him. Uh, He always has that calm demeanor. He doesn't get too high during matches. He's been releasing more energy at the end of sets, at the end of matches, so it's good to see, but I like his calm personality. I like how he plays. And I'm very excited for Taylor Fritz in 2022. What do you guys think? Do you guys think he could push for top ten, top five? Um, is he is he is he the one that US tennis should put their all their eggs? Is that the basket that we should put our eggs in? Is it Opelka? Is it is it um is it Francis Tiafo? Who 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 should uh who should the US tennis Really bad. Is it Corda Corda had a, a a nice start to the year, but then he kind of fell off a little bit. Who's who's going to raise U.S. tennis to the top again? I believe it's Taylor Fritz. And I want it to be Tiafo just because Tiafoe is such a personality. But I think Taylor Fritz has the most complete game right now. And he showed it at the end of the year. So shout out to Taylor Fritz for the great 2021, especially the end of 2021. And I wish you the best in 2022. And hopefully who's to say you can't be in the ATP finals next year the manchester derby has concluded manchester city defeat manchester united 2-0 uh manchester city looked like they were just running drills out there united never looked dangerous united never looked like they were in the match united never looked like they took control of segments in the match there's a, i think one of the one of the things that really gets said about premier league Um, football is that there's different swings in the game even if you're the weaker team you're going to have a moment in the game where you're going to have five ten minutes and it's always important if you're the better team if you're the team that's controlling the game controlling possession to put your chances away because if you don't put your chances away more than likely the other team's going to get five ten minutes where they just steal momentum they steal and they steal the tempo they, they they get into the game. uh It was kind of said last week when the wolves were playing Everton, wolves were dominating, and they weren't really putting their chances away. they weren't taking advantage of all the possession of all their dominance and the commentator said it like they better do something because Everton, like most Premier League teams are gonna have five, ten minutes five ten fifteen minutes where they just they there's an uptick and they could punish you you never saw that from united this game you never thought united were going to score you never thought united was going to take possession away from city you never thought united was going to you know wrestle their way back into the game and it's sad it's sad that this united team is playing that way it's sad that i um, going into this game uh, as a neutral or knowing neutrals that were watching the game no one really thought united was going to beat city uh, we were most people as neutrals were just hoping for a good game. We we're hoping for a good game, but in the back of our minds, we kind of thought it's probably not going to be a good game. It's probably going to be City running circles over United. United looking hapless. That defense looking hapless. That defense looking lackluster. Looking like Swiss cheese. And that's exactly what happened. That defense looked like Swiss cheese. David De Hell was a hero. It could have been two. It was two-oh. It could have been. 5-0 easily and pushed to higher to way like monumental it, it could have been bad the head was stopping shots from his own players he was stopping chances from city and it didn't honestly it didn't even look like city really got up there got off their seat too much it didn't look like they had to press the pedal or really work to get this 2-0 victory it kind of just looked like they were going through the motions just and posting themselves, they just looked like the more tactically, more sound team. And they just kind of trotted out there and they got the, the victory. There's a saying in, in sports that you can't just show up to the game and get the victory. That on any given Sunday in, in the NFL and basketball and soccer, wherever you play, they say any given game, the other team could upset you. That's why you got to play every single game. This might be the exception. It, it felt like all City had to do. Would show up, pass the ball around uh, like they like they could do it with their eyes closed, and they were gonna get the victory against United, and that's pretty much how it looked today. United looked awful. I don't I don't understand what United is waiting for to fire Oli Gunner Soldier um, after the game. He said they're notch below the top teams. Well, they've invested a lot of money into the team. They brought Sancho. They brought Varane. They brought Ronaldo. They were second place last year. Somehow bringing in Sancho, bringing in Varane, bringing in Ronaldo has made them worse. And I don't think it's on any of those three players. I think it's on Oli. He's lost. He's clearly not ready for this job. He can't be the leader for a club like Manchester United. So I think, like, what are we waiting for? Like, do we really think Oli is going to switch it around, turn it around? He's just, tomorrow or in the near future, he's just going to turn into a tactical genius and... He's going to fix this, and everything's going to be good, and United's going to be a title contender. Like, what are we waiting for? Like, realistically, what are they waiting for? Like, are they waiting for the right coach to come available? Are they waiting for the right players to come available? Do they know the squad can't win? So as long as Oli's there, he could be kind of like the scapegoat. Is, is that what they're waiting for? Do they know they can't compete? What What is the board waiting for? What, like, are they not trying to win? Is that what it is? They're just content making headlines. Because as long as Oli's there, that that's the leading that's the leading topic for United. It's not about how they're not playing good. It's not how they're underperforming. It's not how they're, you know, disgracing their history as being the top team in England. They're now just content just being in the conversation. That's not the conversation that we're having. We're just talking about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. And maybe I'm part of it too. Like, we should be talking more about how United themselves have lost their hunger have lost their interest to be the top team in the in the premier league so they might just be using Oli as as a scapegoat as as you know the shield as a shield to prevent people from really talking about united but like like i don't see i don't see why else he would be staying i don't think he's going to be he's just going to naturally wake up in the next few months and just have an epiphany have a relaxation on how to be a good coach How to be a coach for a top, top team. I don't think that's going to happen. So they should cut ties unless, unless, if they don't cut ties with him soon. And I mean, like this week, like it's becoming pretty evident that Manchester United is not in the business of winning the Premier League anymore. They're just happy to collect checks. They're happy to be, you know, a cash cow. They're just happy to be in the conversation to get that TV money, to get, you know those endorsement deals and that's it they're not really in the in the comp, in it to win it and as long as they have Ole Gunner at the helm that's going to be the main topic that's going to be what people are talking about why is he still the coach he's not there like and we're just going to forget about the rest but it's pretty evident that united is not in the title race they're about to be i think 11 points below chelsea and we're not even at christmas so this this is done uh united is not gonna be champions this year i had hoped that they could they could compete but that hope has clearly and rapidly fizzled city are i believe just five points behind chelsea so we'll see how they do good job for city like i said this was one of the games where they just had to show up they literally just had to show up and they imposed their will against united and united just looked like they didn't believe in themselves um it was it was kind of lethargic the game was not good in my opinion uh, waking up at 4 30 in the morning to watch this manchester derby was not it um i think i had more energy than united though i woke up at 4 30 to watch this game and I, I thought i had more energy than than the united players had Ole gunner switched to a three center backs, um but i think he just did that because that's like the easy thing to do like oh what am i going to do oh, i'll change from a back four to a back five Defense still looks lost. What is Maguire doing? They paid 80 million dollars, 80 million euros for Maguire. So, like, no one's talking about that, really, because Ole is kind of the shield, is the scapegoat. But w- what is the board doing, Sp- spending 80 million euros on Maguire? Luke Shaw looks completely lost. Shout out to the half for getting his form back, back up. But oh, it looks it looks dire for Manchester United. I'm glad I'm not a fan. I am a Wolves fan, so they lost. I'm not that happy, but at least we know we're at least we know we're kind of like a middle of the pack team we're doing a little better than than uh, last season. But for United to be runner up last year and it's not even Christmas and you know you're out of the race already. It's just what are we waiting for? Let's let's fire Ole Gunner and because you haven't fired him yet, you lost content to Tottenham. So just a whammy everywhere you look at it is just bad bad all around for Manchester United but do I feel bad for them no not really like they know what they're doing it's, it's been right in front of everyone's face everyone knows that he's not Ole is not the coach for United it's it's pretty evident you don't need to be a football genius or even that smart to see it so I have no idea what they're waiting for other than he's a shield for them but Antonio Conte signs with Tottenham. He's a proven winner. He brings a winning mentality. He's won with Juve. He's won with Chelsea. He's won with Inter. So, you know, he's, he was the hottest commodity as a coach out there. And they finally bring him in. Tottenham wanted to bring him in during the summer. They couldn't get it together. They, bring in, they couldn't get it together with a lot of coaches. They tried like five or six coaches. And finally, they settled for Nuno. Nuno was clearly not the guy I appreciate Nuno as a Wolves fan he taught two top seven finishes two seventh place finishes with the Wolves you know nothing to ignore nothing to belittle shout out to him for doing that but going from Mourinho to Nuno is kind of like just a step sideways like do you want Mourinho who's you know a big personality who's likes the camera on him but plays very defensively? Or do you want Nuno who plays just as defensively, but is more, you know, quiet, more, you know, chill? If that's a good word to say. It was kind of like a sideways steps. And, you know, he he doesn't have the cachet that ta- that um, that Mourinho has. So I never really, not to wish bad on Nuno, but I never really thought that was going to work with Tottenham. And it didn't. That team played super conservative. There's multiple games where they they didn't have a shot on target. And they look lost. They look like it just looked. Even when they were winning, they won three games to start the season, nine points out of nine. Even when they were winning, it was like, how how long could they keep this up? How long is is this gonna work? And sure enough, they got what five wins, five losses, and it was time to it was time to let go of him. But Conte Conte is he he's regarded as a tactical genius, so we'll see. I'm pretty sure he's gonna keep it back three he's known to play that 3-5-2 but it's not a very defensive 3-5-2 it's, you know conte likes to attack conte likes to dictate the game so we'll see we'll see harry Kane is already talking his praise he's already saying he's a great coach he shows that the the board at Tottenham him as a franchise as a team that they're not you know just resting on their laurels on their more laurels they they're staying hungry they want to win so if if, they're, if the captain of the English national team is saying that, I think that bodes well for Tottenham. Um, Conte did say that Tottenham must learn a winning mentality to compete for the Premier League. That's true. I think uh, over the years, we've all made jokes about Tottenham, and maybe they're starting to believe it. Maybe it's starting to get to the, to the player's head that, damn, we do play for Tottenham. We're not supposed to win trophies. We're just the butt of everyone's joke. Even when Arsenal has a terrible year, terrible spell of years, we still can't win a trophy and they get like a FA Cup or something. So I think Tottenham has to get rid of that mentality that, you know, we're we're a B team, we're a side piece, we're not the main protagonist. Tottenham players, Tottenham as a whole, they have to believe that we are the protagonists, we're main characters. The, The script is written as we go we make the script so i think conte has that personality he is that coach he can turn things around he does have that cachet as a coach and hopefully he can unlock harry kane harry kane and son had amazing years last year you know assisting each other scoring goals kane has been pretty pretty bad this year um he wanted to leave for some reason they didn't let him leave now his form is just atrocious. Son is not having the same year he had last year, but it's not a bad year that he's having. So hopefully with Conte he's able to unlock him again, especially Kane. Kane, if if anything else needs to play better so that Tottenham is able to get you know a good investment out of him. If if I think it seems inevitable, inevitable that he leaves, so they just need to get his form up so that they could cash in in January or in the summer. But I do believe in Conte. I don't think it's going to be this year. It's too quick. They need a recall. They need to retool that team. There's a lot of players in that roster that probably don't deserve to be in Tottenham if they are serious about contending for the title. Probably need new center bags. Probably need to revamp that midfield. So we'll see what they do. But I think Conte signed for 18 months. And we'll see if he resigns. We'll see how much he's able to do with 18 months. But I think it's a step in the right direction, and more than anything, they keep content from United. I don't know what what I don't know what the hell is going on in United, but it's a good signing for Tottenham. I like what they're doing. They're not just resting; they're pushing forward. And good luck to Nuno wherever he goes. This was always going to be a tough a job for him. It was just at following Mourinho and the team that has championship goals. It was always going to be tough. Henry Ruggs is probably going to prison just an awfully sad situation i just want to say my condolences go to that the family of the twenty twenty three 23 year old lady and her dog it's just a terrible situation it should have never happened i feel bad for uh you know the lady that lost her life innocent just driving three in the morning minding her own business um and unfortunately she lost her life so just want to start off by saying, you know, rest in peace and my condolences go out to her family. But this should be a wake up call. Like, it's it's a terrible way to go out. It's a terrible way to lose your career. People are calling it, you know, just one mistake, ruin Henry Ruggs career. Obviously, I, the man is down right now. He He's probably devastated. Like, who am I to just put him down even more? But it's, you know, it's, it's an NFL topics. So we got to talk about it um never drink and drive you guys it's not worth it call uber call a friend there's there's friends out there that really love you um i'm sure henry ruggs probably thought that he would have bothered Derek carr if he called him but we've all seen Derek carr's interview saying like did i not do enough did i not you know voice to henry ruggs that i would have been there for him there's people out there that you know they'll go out of their way to pick you up to help you out and uh it's just sad it's sad sad that you know that person that lady lost her life um it's unfortunate for henry ruggs that you know his career 22 years old very young is over obviously he has to He there's no other way around it like people are talking about dante starworth and how he only got like 30 days i think it's a whole different situation First. Um, Dante Starworth, uh, R.I.P. to that person too. But one of the reasons he got off on just 30 days is because the other person was jaywalking. So they kind of it t- it kind of took some of the blame away from Dante Starworth because you know he shouldn't have been you know drinking and driving, but the other person shouldn't have been jaywalking. So they used that, they leveraged that as a way to get Dante Starworth you know less time, and then I think they settled with the family like this situation is completely different you know the lady which i I'm for, i don't know her name i'm sorry and even if i did know i don't know if the family would want just her name to be talked about everywhere so i'm just gonna you know say the lady she was just driving she was just driving doing nothing wrong she was just driving with her dog going for a night stroll and that was it so yeah uh Henry Ruggs has to has to you know live with the consequences and i think us as young people sometimes we forget that like there's consequences to your actions and when you do stuff when you do like irrational stuff when you just act impulsively there's there's consequences that you got to you got to deal with and Henry Ruggs it looks like he's going to really deal with them he he lost his career he faces now up to 46 year 46 years in prison i think is the latest update that i heard so you know very very awful situation i just terrible um it could have easily been avoided on henry ruggs part just if you know you're gonna go drink why even drive why why take your vehicle um the NFL has a program where you could just call him and they'll pick you up. The girlfriend, you know, she has she now has injuries, too. I mean, obviously, like, you know, people could have seen that he was drunk. I don't want to put the blame at wherever he was, but I used to work valet. So I know that if you see someone that's completely impaired, you don't you don't give the keys back to them because I don't know if he had valet. But as, a, as you know, I'm pretty sure he did just just by, you know, the money that he has in Vegas. You, you don't give the keys to them. But, you know, there's no one else to blame other than, you know, Henry Ruggs. Don't want to put the blame on anybody else. It's Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs should have known better. Obviously, difficult situation. Like, you don't want to just keep harping on the guy. But he, he has to pay for his consequences. Just terrible situation. This is one of the problems with the NFL going to Vegas. People talked about it is... Vegas in of itself just just brings the, this stuff to the forefront even more. Obviously you could drink and drive anywhere, but being in Vegas it's a whole different animal for young people, especially in 22 years old, you just you just got money for the first time in your life. You just got out of poverty, you just got out of, you know, low income neighborhood, low income situation. You're finally, you know, have dough, you finally have that nice car, you finally have the nice girlfriend, you you could the, the world is at your hands, you you live in sin city, like it's tough, man, it's like uh the the one of the reasons I don't want to you know keep like just harping on Henry Ruggs is you know, I know better. I know better to not drink and drive or especially if I'm I'm at that level of tox toxicity or like that level of alcohol in my blood content and obviously, yeah, like I haven't, I haven't even pushed 156. He was going 156 miles an hour. Like uh, sometimes I'm going downhill on the fuel and I'm hitting 90. I'm like, whoa, calm down. How did that happen? Why am I going so fast? And you know, you you slow it down. So I can't even imagine how 156 goes. But like I said, I don't have that amount of money. Like I don't have the world at my hands like he does. Like I don't know. I don't know what would have happened if, you know. I obviously I would like to think that. I have better judgment than that. That, that I, I would never do something like that. But twenty-two years old, millions of dollars in your pocket—like we—we uh, don't know. I mean, obviously, a lot of people would say, "Yeah, I know. I know better than that." And I, I want to say, "I know better than that too." But you never know. Twenty-two years old, world at your world at your feet. But either way, I'm just talking right now. Henry Ruggs, he does. He he's gonna have to pay the consequences, and it's it's so sad for the for the lady that lost her life. The videos are pretty graphic. I, I saw one on Instagram. Like the people around it were recording. The fi- the car f- caught on fire, and people were recording, and there was nothing you could do because she's stuck inside, and the vehicle is com- completely engulfed. So. Hopefully, this is a lesson to everyone, especially NFL players. Like, bro, like you got all the money in the world, just call Uber, call a Lyft. There's no reason you should be doing this. And people all around, people all around the world, like, just, just be more conscious. Be more conscious of the consequences. Have a little humanity. And this this comes on the morning of you know the eight fatalities that happened at Astro World. It's is crazy. It's crazy. It's insane. I can't even put my words into it. Like going to a music festival and dying and stuff like that is just crazy what's going on. But this should have never happened. Just make better decisions. You know, call someone, call Uber. It's not worth it. Paying I know Ubers are getting expensive right now, but it's it's way cheaper to pay a fifty, eighty dollar Uber than you know to lose your life lose your career lose someone else's life it's not worth it it's not worth it you guys it's not worth it don't do it don't drink and drive you got to do better and NFL got to got to do something man you got to have more classes you got to have more awareness you got to have you just got to be more more involved with your players cuz it's been a rough rough few weeks for the NFL OBJ is gonna be released from the Browns on Monday. He's finally out of Cleveland. He's finally out of this little dispute that he had with Baker Mayfield. It had to be done. There was no other way to do it. Um after his dad posted that video, you know, basically highlighting Baker Mayfield being a bad quarterback, not finding Odell when he was when he was um uh, open, it had to be done. There was no way he could have repaired this. And it was even more done when they asked Baker Mayfield and he he didn't just you know, show it to the side. He didn't just say, like, oh, let's focus on the next game. I don't want to talk about it. He acknowledged it. He said that it surprised him, but it didn't hurt him. And he mentioned having man-to-man conversations with his dad, with uh, Odell's dad. Once everyone acknowledged it, once that was out and everyone acknowledged it, it, you knew it was done. The coach acknowledged it. Baker Mayfield acknowledged it. It, it had to be done they uh, they released him from practice excuse him from practice you knew that was that was the next step and now on monday you know he gets to be released they worked out his contract they voted the last two years of his contract so if anyone picks him up it's just a half year rental so i don't think anyone will pick him up he he should clear waivers and be available to sign with any team for the first time in his career he will have a chance to decide where he goes where he where he plays for, who he plays for, who his quarterback is. I'm looking at the Chiefs. I'm looking at the Ravens, the Packers, any of these teams contending for a Super Bowl that need a wide receiver. And I think he still has it. I think he still has it in him to be a good quarterback, I mean, to be a good wide receiver. And if anything, there's people asking who's going to look better after this fallout, who's going to benefit the most from this breakup. Is it going to be Baker Mayfield or is it going to be OBJ? And my answer to that is the resounding Baker. Nah, I'm just playing. It's the resounding Odell Beckham Jr. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to look better after this. He's an elite talent. He was once an elite wide receiver. He's had a slump. He's had injuries. He had this little feud with Baker Mayfield. But I think he still has it. I think there's enough on the tank. There's enough skill there. He's still fast. He can still catch. I think wherever he goes, he's going to thrive. He's going to be amazing. I'm looking at that Randy Moss situation with the Raiders, and when when he went to the Patriots, obviously he's not he's no Randy Moss, but I think he's gonna make a difference with whoever signs him. And Baker Mayfield, in my opinion, he's not the guy. He's not the guy. He's not a franchise quarterback. He's middle of the pack quarterback. Um, yeah, he has a nice personality. He's cool. He's, he's he's charismatic. He makes all these good commercials. He's kind of funny. He knows how to chug beers. But on the field, Baker Mayfield. He doesn't have the arm strength. He thinks he's more mobile than he actually is. And in my opinion, he's just not the guy. Obviously, this is the best the Browns have done in a while. He took them to the playoffs. He even won a playoff game for them. Good for him. But I think it was just right time, right place for Baker Mayfield. I I would amount more of the credit to the, the team building, the GM, the coach. I think Baker Mayfield, I think the Browns could do way better than Baker Mayfield. I don't rate Baker Mayfield that high. If you were to make me list quarterbacks ahead of Baker Mayfield, I think I could compound a very, very long list before I get to Baker Mayfield. Like Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, Jackson, um, Herbert, Carr, Cousins. Yeah, I'll take Cousins over Baker Mayfield. Uh, I know some people would cough at that, but I would. Um, Who else? I don't know. I'll take Carson Wentz this year. Mm, who who else who else was? Um, Matt Matt Ryan. I'll still take Matt Ryan. Bad situation. The the Falcons are, are bad, but you know, he he's been an MVP. Um uh, Josh Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, um, Matthew Stafford. Um, Kyler Murray, who else? See, there's already oh, how many have at least like twelve. There's there's so many better quarterbacks, and and that's not even like Lawrence, like all the rookies. I don't know about Justin Fields, but Lawrence, um, no one from the Saints. But you see, I've I've listed a lot of quarterbacks. I would take over Baker Mayfield. Is that who you really? want your franchise quarterback to be oh burrow Burrow burrow's ahead of him too there's a lot of quarterbacks i would take over baker mayfield so i think obj is gonna be just fine with whatever team he goes to next and i'm excited to see where he goes like it's gonna be fun i have him in a lot of fantasy leagues so hopefully he finally pays off and baker mayfield i don't think he's awful but He's not like an elite quarterback. He's not like a like great, great, like top 10, top 12 quarterback. He's more like middle of the pack, 16, 16 to 20 around there. But that might be good enough with the roster that the Browns have. Run the ball. Don't make turnovers. Lean on that defense. But we'll see. Where do you guys think OBJ is going to go? I think he should sign with the Packers. I think that would be amazing next to Devonte Adams that would be that would be scary and that would that might push you know the Packers to the Super Bowl that compete with what the Buccaneers have you know as their wide receivers Brown, Evans and Godwin you you team that up against OBJ and Devonte Adams and Jones that that'd be sick I, I think he should go to the Packers obviously the Chiefs aren't contention the Ravens Even the Colts, we'll see where he goes, but I would say Packers. But speaking of the Packers, Aaron Rodgers had a full interview, 40 minutes long, with Pat McAfee yesterday, talking about his vaccination status and, you know, clearing the air. Basically, Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID. He's going to be out 10 days. He's going to miss the game against the Chiefs. He might miss the game against the Seahawks next week. And back in August, he had an interview where people, the the media asked him if he was vaccinated. He responded with, yeah, I'm Im- um, what he said, I'm immunized or something along those lines, a synonym to basically being vaccinated. He said, I'm immunized. And then he said that he wouldn't judge his teammates that aren't vaccinated, kind of alluding to the fact that he himself was vaccinated. And obviously, when he got COVID this week, It became apparent that he is not vaccinated and that, you know, it kind of made people wonder, like, well, why was he why was he basically lying? Why was he deceiving us back in August? Why did he say that he was immunized? Why did he say that he wouldn't judge his teammates that were not vaccinated? And, you know, a lot of he got a lot of heat for that and no one really gave him heat for not being vaccinated. That wasn't the point of, you know, the discussions. It was more so like, okay, like, why did you try to deceive the media? Why were you being so, you know, why were you in this gray area? Why couldn't you just be like, oh, I'm unvaccinated or oh, I am vaccinated? There's players in the league that have been, um, that are unvaccinated, like Lamar Jackson and Kirk Cousins and stuff like that. And yeah, they got some, they got some heat, but that heat was different. It was kind of like. Like, yo, you're the quarterback of, you know, two teams, the Ravens and the Vikings. Like, why don't you get the vaccination so that if you get COVID, you're less likely to miss games since you are the quarterback and the quarterback is the most important player on the team. So if you miss a game or two, then it hurts our chances to make the playoffs because in the NFL, there's only 17 games a season. So each game matters a lot or like in the NBA or somewhere else. There's 82 games. In baseball, there's over 100 games. So if you miss a game, it's not the end of the world. Football, there's only 17 games. If if the quarterback, most important player on the team, misses a game, pretty much a loss because backups are pretty much inept. So if a quarterback misses a game, then it's bad. So please get the vaccination because you're the leader of the team and you're the best player on the team and you touch the ball in every play. So we don't want you to be out. That was basically the heat that those players got. Lamar Jackson, Kirk Cousins. And that's I imagine that's the heat that Aaron Rodgers would have gotten if he just came out and said, I'm not vaccinated. But well, he didn't. And now that he now that he came out as being unvaccinated and he got COVID and he's gonna miss games, that's kind of the heat that he was getting. Like, okay, well, you're hurting your team now. Um and people were just curious or like kind of like why were you being disingenuous with this why were you being so murky with your answer why why were you being so you know you're just kind of being weird about it like why why couldn't you just be honest why couldn't you just say that and Aaron Rodgers kind of took it took it. people he was he went on Pat McAfee and said that you know this woke mob was trying to cancel him this cancel culture and stuff like that and like bro no one's trying to no one was trying to cancel you like Kirk Cousins is not canceled like Lamar Jackson is not canceled Like, everyone's singing Lamar Jackson's praises for how good he's playing this year and Kirk Cousins I've even said that like when the Vikings started like one and three like Kirk Cousins was playing some of the best football of his career he's kind of slowed down the last few weeks but he started like no one was trying to cancel these guys. If anything, there was just a discussion about you're the quarterback. You should be available for your team. Like, obviously, like, we want you to be available for all the games. And there's a higher chance that you will if you're vaccinated. That was pretty much it. No one was trying to cancel these guys. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers took it kind of personal. Took it like that the woke mob was trying to cancel him. And then he did a Martha Luther King quote and that kind of rubbed a lot of people the wrong way rubbed me the wrong way It's it it always feels wrong when people you know fighting like wrong fights quote M. O. K. or quote muhammad ali is just like come on bro like don't try to equate what you're doing to what they did like it's not even close and to quote M. O. K. and he didn't even stand on his beliefs like i was reading what people were saying like yeah he he didn't even stand on what he believed. He lied, and then he got caught, and then he acted kind of bold, acting like he he took his stand. Like no, you didn't. You were deceitful, and you tried. You lied to the media, and then he was spreading false information. And then the the icing on the cake was he said he took advice from Joe Rogan, and you know who's Joe Rogan? He's a great podcaster. He has probably the most followed podcast of all time, but he's not a medical professional he's what he's he's taking calls consultation from joe rogan so he's taking ivermectin as a cure to covid and it was just it was it was just incredible like i don't know there's there's no other word to say than just incredible and it goes to shows that you know nfl players athletes as a whole like you more than ever like obviously it's great when they talk about awareness and they say you know the stuff you want to hear and they bring awareness to stuff, but they're just they're just regular people, man. They're just like just as much as you could find, like some your uncle or like you could find, you know, one of your friends, and and then it got discovered during the pandemic that oh my god, one of some of my colleagues or friends or coworkers, like these people think very differently than me, or they're kind of like believing all these conspiracy theories and. They just want to hear whatever they they already believe confirmation bias like they're just looking for something to reiterate what they already believe and that's no different from nfl nba from anywhere else like they're just regular people and just that just like regular people they could be completely misinformed like just just dumb they could just be dumb, like other people. It doesn't. It doesn't matter if you go to Cal or if you go to Berkeley. Like, they could just be dumb, and it was shocking, and it was is ridiculous. I think one of the ones, one of the quotes that got me, like the most frustrated or really caught my attention there was at the end, like in the last probably eight minutes of his forty-minute spiel. Um, he said. That if this was the flu, he would be paying. He would be playing this weekend because he feels great, and it's just it's just insane to me that we're 18 months into this pandemic, half a million people dead in the world, over 400,000 dead, or more than a million dead in the world, I believe, and over 400,000 dead in the U.S. And this man is still saying that if it was the flu, he would be playing this weekend that was just shocking that was that was kind of tone-deaf that was it was that just it was insane to me like really like are we still using the flu comparison 18 months into this pandemic like come on man if this was the flu i would be playing this weekend well it's not the flu man it's not the flu if it was the flu you know we wouldn't be in this pandemic if it was the flu you know they wouldn't have shut down new york and everywhere else like if it was the flu like we wouldn't have stayed home all this time like come on man why are we still why are we still using the flu debate 18 months in and then there's other reports he said that he couldn't take the Moderna or Pfizer vaccine because he he has an allergy to something that's inside both of them and Ralph bastiano said that if he did have an allergy the NFL would have granted his request for an exemption And there is no common ingredient on the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine other than the sucrose, which is the sugar, and the thomethamine. And there are variants of the vaccine that do not have the thomethamine. So the idea that he had to choose, um, that he only had the option of the Johnson & Johnson, um, it's either because he's misinformed or he's trying to mislead people. And it's pretty obvious that he's just trying to mislead people because with all the things that he was saying, he's clearly informed. He has his own health. He has his own research team. He's doing what's best for him. So overall, this interview was just shocking. It just proves that, you know, professional athletes are just regular people too. Just as regular people could have crazy ideas, could be misinformed, could be part of Facebook groups that, you know, feed lies that just continue to build whatever case they think they have professional players could too you know they're just regular people that could just be just as dumb just as you know blinded just as misinformed just as cuckoo for a better word uh as the regular population i'm looking at you know Aaron rodgers and kyrie irving and it it just highlights that like they're just regular people that could just be dumb as everyone else and it's It's kind of sad that the MVP of the league thinks this way. And I think unshockingly to most, um, this health company in Wisconsin already cut ties with Aaron Rodgers. And we'll see if anyone else cuts ties with him. Like, I'm looking at you, State Farm. Like, is State Farm going to cut ties with him? Like, we'll see what the fallout is. But it was just shocking. It was shocking that he used the MLK reference or quote. It was shocking that he... (laughs) He consulted Joe Rogan for his health advice. It was shocking that he's taking horse tranquilizer to cure COVID. And it was just a 40 minutes of wow. I couldn't believe it. But let me know what you guys think. Um, Obviously, everyone could interpret this differently. Some people are going to side with Aaron Rodgers and be like, he's standing up for us. That's exactly what I believe in too. And there's going to be people that don't care that are just going to be like, bro, like just get well and come back and play. And there's other people like me that kind of took it like whoa, that was that was shocking like I didn't know you thought that way, Aaron Rodgers. But it is what it is. Hopefully you don't take none of this misinformation and apply it to yourself. But that should do it for episode number 71 of the Hard to Handle Sports podcast. It's good to be back. I took a little 2 week hiatus. I apologize for that, but Make sure to watch the final of Djokovic versus Medvedev tomorrow at the Paris Masters. That's going to be a good one. And hopefully, by the time you guys are watching this or hearing this, Oli Gunner has been fired. Don't wish anyone to lose their job, but come on, you're not, you're not, you're not up to it. We'll see how Conte does with Tottenham. And R.I.P. to the lady that lost her lives to Henry Drugs. You know, awful decision to drive drunk. OBJ is going to thrive with whatever team he goes and Aaron Rodgers is, you know, just as dumb as any other person. That should do it. Have a great rest of your day.